You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. I've got a question for you. What do you think is the number one stressor in our world today? I just came across a brand new study that found that money is the number one cause of stress among Americans today. And according to this new data, money is more of a stressor than either personal relationships or work-related stress. And I wanted to dive more into this topic because this stress issue matters a lot when it comes to our overall health. And directly, the study also found a higher correlation with money issues being connected to anxiety and depression which are both serious issues. And then looking at things from a meta perspective, if we're looking at things from a broader angle, we understand that there's a stress component attached to just about any health condition that you can name. And a 2008 study cited in the Journal of Medical Science found that there's a link between stress and the development of tumors and also the suppression of natural killer cells. So those are the cells in our body that really help to kind of run and manage and and affect Uh, execution with our immune system. So it's obviously kind of important. And so if we look all the way back to why we're talking about this subject today, money matters. And it's a big issue for a lot of us and it's something that's on our minds. And so even if money isn't a big concern for you today, I think this is going to be something that's incredibly valuable for you and being of service to the people that you care about, friends and family. Like this is a pervasive issue in our culture. And I know this firsthand because of the way that I grew up. And so I'm going to share a little bit of that story with you and also give you some very tangible, actionable things that you can do today to help to improve your financial fitness. All right. And so obviously for me, investing is a big part of it and also investing in my health. And today I've got a lot on my plate. We'll talk a little bit about it today, but just in this process of moving, of moving my family, it's a lot. It's a lot. And so I made sure to fuel up on one of the things that I invest in each day for my health. And listen to this study. This came out from Stanford University recently. And it found that caffeine and coffee, I didn't like coffee, okay? But research like this really, really got me thinking, like I need to dig into this a little bit more. But the ca- they deduced that the caffeine and coffee is able to defend against age-related inflammation. And the research revealed that light to moderate coffee drinkers live longer and more healthfully, thanks in part to the protection that caffeine provides from coffee by suppressing genes related to inflammation. What? We're talking about nutrigenomics here in his freshly brewed glory. All right. And again, this is something that we really don't think about because there's, it's just something that's so common in our culture. But getting high quality coffee is actually attributed to having a longer lifespan. And it's because it has these uh, nutrigenomic effects, these epigenetic effects on suppressing genes related to inflammation. All right. So when we talked about physician visits being heavily tied to stress, but also inflammation, it's another big issue today. All right. And so for me, of course, I'm getting organic coffee, but I'm not the guy that's going to be going and hitting up the, the crack box, aka Starbucks, and getting a cup of coffee that's just that kind of deal. I'm going to get organic and also The coffee that I drink is infused with medicinal mushrooms as well, and it's from Four Sigmatic. This is also because it has cordyceps. The coffee that I had today has cordyceps in there, and it's dual extracted. So this means that they're doing a hot water extract and an alcohol extract to actually extract all the nutrients that you want from the medicinal mushrooms that Company X is probably not doing. And the reason I fell in love with Four Sigmatic all those years ago is probably over 10 years back, I would buy alcohol extracts and tinctures and then hot water extracts of capsules of cordyceps and then like open them up and like pour them into a smoothie to try to get these benefits myself. And then I found a company that does both together in a delicious little packet of coffee. And the reason that cordyceps is so valuable, it's clinically proven to improve insulin sensitivity and also clinically proven to enhance our endurance as well. So we're talking about athletic performance. And so it's just good stuff and also Myself personally, listen, even today, my wife, when I came upstairs, she was like, where's my coffee? She didn't say good morning. She said, where's my coffee? I'm her barista and I know my job. So I went in there, I made her coffee and she likes it with a little bit of high quality, healthy fat. So this could be grass fed butter. This could be emulsified MCT oil. 
And also she likes a little bit of chocolate stevia drops in there too. So you can get add a little bit of a low glycemic sweetener if you like your coffee to have a little, little uh, sweetness to it. That's how she likes it. And then I have a little coffee frother, which is one of the coolest inventions ever. I didn't know that was a thing. I used to throw it all into a blender. And so I hit the coffee frother and then give her a cup and then life is good. So head over there, check them out. It's foursigmatic.com forward slash model. And you get 15% off all the Four Sigmatic products. So that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model for 15% off everything they carry. That's a part of investment is also being smart about how we're spending too. You know, so where we can save, let's save. And I love the fact they're giving this 15% discount for this incredible audience with the Model Health Show. All right, so pop over there, check them out, foursigmatic.com forward slash model. And now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Favorite Podcast This Year by CJ Eccles. Sean Stevenson is such an expert in the realm of health, nutrition, and mindset. This podcast is very educational, but also gives practical advice on how to live your highest quality life. I love the knowledge and practical life advice that he gives on his show. He is engaging and brings so many cool people on the show. I listen to this weekly. Awesome. Thank you so much for leaving me that review over on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate it so very much. And it just means the world to me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And listen, if you've yet to leave a review, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. Let everybody know what you think about the show. All right, I appreciate it so much. And on that note, let's get to our topic of the day. So today we're talking about financial fitness. All right, it must be the money. It must be the money in connection to our health, in connection to stress. This is a big thing on people's minds today. And so I wanted to offer up some very practical advice, but also this is coming from a deep place of experience. I had multiple environments that I grew up in and living in poverty and also living in uh, a really kind of safe and certain and a a feeling of abundance as well uh, early in life. So I've shared this on the show before, but up until the age of about seven, I lived with my grandmother, you know, going to school, kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And it's not that they were wealthy. You know, my grandfather and my grandmother actually worked at a factory, but they worked hard and they got themselves a home in a good neighborhood and they always had enough. And they made experiences magical for me, you know. So growing up, you know, when Christmas came around, listen, first grade Christmas, I got Voltron, not one lion. All five lines, all right? Do you know what that does to a kid? You know, like I just felt like I was the richest kid in the world. And those kinds of experiences were normal in in that household. You know, I had a lot of the things that I would uh, ask for that I thought was kind of on my radar, right? And so this is just giving you a little morsel of, of what's to come and a transition in my life. But so that was that was one of the first phases. And matter of fact, I got to share this too. Christmas, second grade, Thundercats. All right, Lionel, Thundercats, Ho, the whole thing. All right, she got me all these different characters with the stockings stuffed with little gifts and candy and this kind of thing. It was just such a a really beautiful, rich experience. And holidays and and my birthday, she made such a big deal out of me and just really investing in me and showing me what this kind of beautiful life for a child. And now just to be clear, life is not all about this stuff and material things. It's just... When you're a child, that's kind of the things that you know. You know, you want these particular toys, you see it on the cartoons. It's kind of these borrowed borrowed desires. But it was the thing that was kind of the template for me in what to expect from life. Until I moved in with my mom when my grandfather got sick and they moved back to the, the country where he grew up in Piedmont, Missouri. And so I moved back in with my mom. My mom was trying to give me a better opportunity staying with my grandmother because she knows she could provide for me at a different level. And so in living with my mom, you know, uh, when I go stay with her on the weekends, sometimes I slept on the floor. You know, I didn't even have a bed and there's roaches and rats. And that was just kind of the norm. You know, my mom and my stepfather worked hard, but they were just, they're trying to survive, right? And once I moved in full time, you know, things progressively got better in some instances. You know, we'd find uh, safe housing. You know, I had my own bed, at least, you know, to share a room with my brother. Uh, we had bunk beds at one point. And eventually I had my own room. It was the size of a closet. You know, literally I could walk 
a couple feet into the room and then walk out the door. But I had my own room at one point. But when we, when I had my own room for the first time, our two family flat was right next door to a crack house, you know? And so the people in the neighborhood who were my idols and the people that were my role models were in, were in gangs, you know, like the guy who I thought was the coolest person in the world was a drug dealer. You know, I wanted to have a car like him and to have the system in my car and to have the cool shoes. You know, I wasn't, a, I wasn't thinking in terms of what he was doing in order to make that happen and the people that he was hurting, you know? And so, so many people who are in those positions, they're not thinking about the ramifications of their activities. This is one of the reasons that we push wealth away is because we attach negative things to accumulating wealth. And so once I start to understand what he was doing via my mother saying me, telling me to stay away from him and for him to also stay away from me because my mom was kind of like this cool, weird lady that people, you know, that would talk to around the, the neighborhood. And so fortunately, you know, like, even though I would go some places with him, this kind of thing, I never got into that world full on, but I was in a lot of sketchy situations growing up. And at this point, and this is very clear in my mind. So this is right around, you know, seventh grade and sixth and seventh grade, but we couldn't afford Christmas toys. You know, and this is just an example that I'm giving for you. And so, and also we couldn't afford food either. But for Christmas, since I started with that example, we would get gifts from this charity house. It's called the Hosea House. And they would give gifts for poor kids. And one, one Christmas, me and my little brother went on a trip for poor kids. And we, we went to like this random building and we were... Uh, just with all these other kids and we were giving gifts and this kind of thing. And we got to ride in the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but you know, it was, it was, it was cool. Um, but the gifts that I got for two to three years in a row was the same exact gifts from the Jose house. I kept getting Yahtzee. To this day, I still don't know how to play Yahtzee. All right. We take the dice, you know, play craps or something, but I never even learned how to play and it was just like, of course, I was complaining and, and, and nagging my mom, like, why can't I have this? We just couldn't afford it, right? We couldn't afford it. We had food stamps. When food stamps hit, it was, that was Christmas. That was Christmas every month because my mom would give me a book of food stamps and I can go and like buy all this stuff that I wanted, this candy and different things like that. Um, and we also had WIC, which is like women and infants uh, program. We get free milk. Uh, like the worst cereal ever. It was like, it wasn't Captain Crunch, it was King Vitamin, all right? So it was King Vitamin. And then you get the cheese, right? You get the government cheese. And the government cheese never quite melted, right? You know, so you try to make a grilled cheese sandwich, it just, it didn't do its thing properly, but it was still good. It was still good. And so that's how I grew up. And so through my life, I got this blueprint especially in my formative years, that money was hard to get. There's an incredible amount of lack. And I had these messages fed to me daily from my mother of, you know, if I ask her for something, she'd say things like, do I look like I'm made of money? Money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, I'm broke as a joke, right? These are things I would hear on a daily basis, right? I, I don't have two nickels to rub together you know, and all these different statements. And so I thought that money was just like very, very hard to come by. And so when I got my first job at the age of like 15 and a half, I got a worker's permit because I wanted to start making money. Guess what my first job was? A lot of common first jobs. I want you to guess, what was my first job? Fast food, all right, fast food. I'm the antithesis of fast food. Today, fast food is the joker, I'm Batman, all right? But then, I was all for it. I was there at McDonald's first job, all right? So I'm back there flipping the burgers. I know about the secret sauce. You don't wanna know. I'm just kidding. Well, maybe. But for me, that experience of like going, clocking in, making my own money, it just it was just the name of the game. And I was indoctrinated with the idea because of what I grew, grew up around, that I'm gonna trade my time in order to make money, right? I'm gonna trade my time and try to get as many hours as I can come back smelling like flame grilled uh, booty. And that was terrible, I'm sorry. <laughs> but not smelling great. And I also, I did come up with my own burger that I made, 
you know, when the McRib came back out and then I take the bun, never mind, doesn't matter. Bottom line is I was indoctrinated with the idea and also trying to find hustles, right? Free stuff, but not in an ethical way. So like when the day's over at McDonald's, you get to take everything. So I would just like rack up any place that I can get perks like that because that's how I saw what my mom do. She hustled, right? She hustled. And so anywhere she can get something for free, that's what she got. Get bills paid for free, uh, taking advantage of credit. I had bad credit before I had credit because my mom was using my name, all right? When I first got my first apartment, I couldn't get my gas turned on because my mom hustled and used my name, all right? That's how I grew up. And so next job, each job progressively, you try to get better. That's one of the psychological things that we do, right? We try to make a little bit more money as we go uh, through our process. So the next job, get paid a little bit more. That was Target, Target. I had the red shirt, all right? You come through my line, you're gonna have a good time, okay? So I went from there to working at a stadium, a sports arena, uh, was my next job, got paid a little bit more, right? An extra 50 cents, an extra dollar. And this was the stadium that's still there where the St. Louis Blues play. Shout out to the Blues. Stanley Cup champion. <laughs> I'm just... So that was my next job. And then from there, you know, I had a little, couple little things here and there, but the longer term things was another jump in pay. And this is kind of where I really, things started to change for me and becoming the person that I am today. And I started working at a casino, all right? And I worked in the hard count department. This was straight up manual labor. So we wore knee pads and jumpsuits because we couldn't have any pockets because all the eyes in the casino are watching you. We go through every machine in the casino and grab those coins out every single morning. So I had to be at work at three o'clock in the morning or 3.30 in the morning, 3.30 a.m., all right? Simultaneously, we're trying to go to college, all right? Towards the tail end of this. But when I first started there, it was like in between colleges. And just putting in that time and grinding and then learning about how the world works from the people around me. Everybody's trying to hustle and just get that little, you know, that promotion, right? They're trying to be a little bit more important than this person. And seeing all the drama involved in people's lives as well, going into that place because nobody's really like excited to be there, right? Everybody's just trying to get a paycheck. And that also brings a level of contentment and it brings a level of like, everything is just good enough. And nobody's really stepping up to be exceptional at what they do, right? And to really bring love and value and joy to what they do. I remember one day, a guest who I've had on the Model Health Show, I opened up his, uh, his slot machine and emptied the bucket. It was Ozzie Smith, Hall of Fame shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals. I remember seeing him at, the, at, the, uh, at my job, right? And I'm just like, man, like that's Ozzie Smith. And I was such a, everything was so separate for me mentally because I'm just here trying to get this check and he's like created all this value and inspiration for the world. And those little moments like really played in my mind, like there's something not adding up here. And so I just wanted to show you a little bit of my background and the, the, the levels of things that I went through because it was while working at the casino that I had that health crisis that if you know my story took place where I found out that I had this so-called incurable spinal condition, this degenerative bone disease and degenerative disc disease. And I went from working at this casino full-time making, you know, I think it was like $14 an hour or something, which it might be minimum wage now, I don't know. But that was great for me back then. I could pay for my college apartment, you know, get my daughter some shoes, you know, and that was that. But all of that was erased because I literally started having difficult, a difficult time just walking around. And I went from a full credit load in college of 12 credit hours down to three for the next like three semesters because I was just so embarrassed. I was in so much pain and I wasn't working. So now I'm getting like unemployment. I'm trying to hustle. I'm like selling CDs. This is when we had, first of all, we had CDs, all right? I had a plug and I would get the, the latest, hottest albums or movies. Before they came out, people were hitting me up. Sean, you got the new Lil Wayne? I got it. I got it, baby. And so that I was doing what I had to do to try to get by and pay my rent, you know? So as you know, and I've shared this before, that it was the best thing that ever happened to me, me losing my health. Because 
it gave me the opportunity to really express all of the dormant gifts and talents and capacities and all of these wonderful capabilities and, and uh, dreams that were locked away in, in me because I was still that person. It was just dormant. All of that potential was there. And so having that stripped, it enabled me to really start to work on myself. And so me changing my health, it wasn't just changing my health, I changed my mind first. And it wasn't just changing the way that I was eating. And we've talked about this on past episodes of the show. We'll put some of those in the show notes. But it was also changing the way that I was associating with people in my relationships, in the relationship context. It was the way that I was showing up um, in the work that I was wanting to do or financially and starting to think differently about that because I was in this like hustle mentality, right? And as such a word is thrown around today, there is a positive connotation to it, but there's also a negative connotation as well attached to it. And so in putting those things together um, and, and really when I transformed my health, that was opening a door to a new possibility, a new way of living. Because I went from this value extraction paradigm of working at a job to I'm incredibly passionate about health and wellness and I wanna help other people to feel how I feel. And I remember the, and I didn't know it was a thing yet. I just knew I wanted to help people. I didn't care about the money. I didn't even think about it. But it was my, a friend of mine from high school, his sister was going to the same college and she saw the transformation that took place with me physically and she asked me if I could help her. And I was like, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'll meet you at the gym at you know nine o'clock tomorrow morning. And then she was like, well, how much should I pay you? Time froze. Like it was like a scene from The Flash or something, like everything was in slow motion. And my brain was like, she's going to pay you for that? Like I couldn't even rationalize that she was gonna, she's gonna pay me for something I was gonna do anyways. And that, would, that I really, really wanna do. I didn't know that was a thing. And so <laughs> I said $7. That's, what, that's the number that came out, Seven, $7. I didn't know what else to say. I didn't know what else to say. So $7 a session is how it all started. I think The Rock has like seven bucks production, I think is the name of it. Maybe it's six bucks production. I don't know. But seven, $7 personal training <laughs> productions is how it really all started. And, you know, I just became really dedicated to getting better at it once I started to help her. You know, I went, you know, got a certification, switched all my uh, courses in college. So, of course, you know, after graduating, opening my practice as a nutritionist. And I just set myself on a pace to, to start helping people. And now here's what I want to share with you. Through all of my story, whenever I would make more money, because of the way that I grew up and my conditioning around money, I would always find creative ways to get rid of it. So it didn't matter if I was making $7 an hour or $15 an hour. I kept raising up my expenses or the random things in my life that would bring me back to being at that same level in my bank account that was always there habitually, all right? I wasn't a millionaire. I wasn't a thousandaire. I was a hundredaire, all right? Chronically, like maybe a hundred dollars is floating around in that bank account. And so no matter how much money I'd get, and so this probably is gonna ring true for a lot of people listening. Like you might come into some money. Maybe, you know, you get a, a settlement. Like that's the thing in the hood. Like we're looking for, we're going to get a settlement of some sort or a family member with the will or something's going to come and we're every, life is going to be sweet. You're going to find yourself right back where you started. And we see this with studies done on people who win the lottery, for example. The vast majority of them end up broke again, you know, even if they're winning, you know, six, seven uh, figures because we have to change our association with money. And this is one of the things that I want to share with you guys today and really talk about uh, the number one piece here in improving your financial fitness is you have to change your relationship with money. I don't want money to be a stressor in your life anymore. And it does not have to be. If you believe it is, it's because you're so deeply tied to the story. And there's so many things in your life that you're not doing that you want to do because of money, because of your story around money. I can't do that because of money. Money should never be the reason that you're not doing something that your heart feels called to do. Now, there's going to be arguments coming up in your mind. Well, you don't understand, you don't, whatever. I do understand. I've been, probably the vast majority of people listening, I've been worse off 
than the vast majority of people in this country. But it's all relative. It's all relative. Check this out. There's another study. The recent statistics, the most recent statistics show that nearly half the people in the world are surviving on little more than $5 a day. And we think we got it so bad. Poverty here in the U.S. probably means you still have food to eat. You probably still have a TV, probably multiple TVs. You probably still have a car. Even when we were crazy broke, we still had these rickety tickety buckets that we were driving. You know, my mom literally bought cars from a car dealership called OK Junk Cars. That's where she got the car. Then when that one died, she'd go get another one from OK Junk Cars. All right. So, but there were times, of course, where we're taking the bus, you know, but we have to keep this stuff in perspective. There's always somebody struggling more, but many people who've come from those circumstances have risen up and found a way. But it starts with exposure and it starts with changing our relationship to money. So let's dive in and talk about what this is going to take. Now, I really want to make sure that you're taking notes for this, all right, because all of these things I'm going to share with you are incredibly important and many of them have action items attached to them. But right now in this move taking place with my family, my wife came across one of my journals and that inspired this episode. In this journal for 60 days straight, I wrote my goals. Every single day I rewrote them, my three biggest goals. And that was taught to me by Bob Proctor who was a guest on this show multiple times. And Bob has been in the game a long time in personal development, incredibly financially successful and just being able to learn from people like that. But I did what he said. Most people don't do the thing. Most people don't do the thing. And so I, I did it. And there were three goals. One was a financial goal I wrote every single day. This is before I knew Bob. This is before any of this stuff existed. I wrote down my financial goal, my relationship goal, which my relationship, it was a little rocky road. I don't, but as you know, like my wife has been on the show uh, multiple times, some of the very best episodes. Man, I love her so much. Our relationship is so, it's everything, you know, but at the time, uh, you know, like we didn't really, we didn't have this stuff really figured out. And we didn't have examples for that either. That's why we did those episodes to share what we know on that front. And then I wrote a health goal every single day. Same goal I wrote for 60 days straight. And she gave me that journal. I was blown away because that ended up being my income, our relationship, and my health. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I, I just, I was in shock. I was speechless. And so that's the number one thing. You have to set goals with money. You have to set written goals for your financial well-being. Have you set a money goal for yourself? You might have set different goals or just told yourself you want to make a certain amount of money, but have you ever got really honest about what kind of income do you want to make and actually writing it down? You don't have to go as far as I did, but I, I would encourage you to. And so written goals, that's number one. In order to get to that destination, we need to know what the destination is. It's like a GPS, right? How in the hell are we gonna figure out what, what we are going to acquire if we don't even know what it is? Where's the end destination? Where are we going? And so get clear on what that looks like. And I'm not, I'm not, I can't tell you what goals to write, but if you've just been hovering around, we'll just give an example, uh, $30,000, and you wanna make $5 million next year, you have to believe that this is possible. It is possible. Many people have done it. You need to stretch yourself, but you also need to be in a place of, I don't want to use the word reality. It's not because we're not talking about reality here. We're talking about getting out of your comfort zone and understanding that what got you here, 30,000, is not going to get you here to 100,000. So maybe that's the goal is to go from 30 to 100,000 which you can do. And we're gonna talk about how to go about doing that. All right, so have a goal, specific financial goal, write it down. All right, get clear on what that looks like. Something that makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but you need to be honest with yourself about what do you want. Now, some people again are gonna be like, well, money's not that important. You're not gonna have any of it, 
all right? And we'll tell us ourselves this story to make us feel good about not having money, all right? If you actually are getting honest with yourself and understand that you do need money to do certain things in our culture, it's the thing, it's the medium that we use. That's all it is for me. I changed the, the association because of the stigma. And so there's a statement from Kanye West <laughs> in the song, The Good Life. He said, having money is not everything, but not having it is, all right? Having money isn't everything, but not having money is everything. If you're coming from where I'm coming from, where you're trying to survive and money can make the difference in you eating, feeding your child, keeping the lights on. Man, so many times we had utilities shut off. Life is not sweet in our culture today when you don't have power or you can't cook food or you can't take a bath because you don't have hot water, all right? And so we understand that money is not everything, absolutely. But in our culture, not having it is, especially with the levels of stress we're seeing. And so that's why I thought this was so important to talk about. So that's number one. Next thing is we have to address our faulty beliefs about money. We can say we did it, but you, have you actually done it? Because this stuff is deeply ingrained. It's an association. Just like we have associations in how relationships are supposed to work or our health, there's also associations in how money works. And so for me, we're looking at like all those messages that were instilled in me by my mom, right? Money doesn't grow on trees. Do I look like I'm made of money? I'm broke as a joke, right? And associations in our culture, it's changed now a little bit. But for me growing up, it was like Christmas Carol, right? Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck. He's got all the money. He's stingy, right? Not letting anybody, you know, uh, get involved, not charitable, not serving and helping other people. He's just all about the money, all right? Shout out to DuckTales, though. I mean, what a great cartoon. But those are the messages in the movies, right? It's the evil rich guy, right? The evil rich villain, it's got all them, but we've changed the story a little bit. Tony Stark's rich too. He's a good guy, but he was a bad guy. It's possible, right? And so thinking about those things, like what do we associate money with? Is it somebody who's stingy, who is taking advantage of people, right? That's another thing that was kind of instilled in me is that those people who are wealthy, it's because they don't care about other people. You know, they're only looking out for themselves and they took advantage of people, right? Because that's how, that's how my mom was getting money. Many times she was taking advantage of people to get that money. So I thought that that's what it took. At a subtle level, it's there. And so for me addressing these faulty beliefs about money, because I'm not going to accumulate and attract something to me if I believe that it's bad and it's going to hurt me, I'm going to repel it. Because our biggest driving forces as human beings is to move towards things that are good and away from things that are not good. Move towards pleasure away from pain, right? And so what are those things for you? Like what are those messages that you have in your mind that having money or being wealthy is attached to that's negative, right? Just really just kind of pull it to the front of your, your mind's screen and look at it like, is that true? Is everybody who's wealthy stingy? Is everybody who's wealthy taking advantage of people? And so here's a little thing that I did personally, because even as I heard these things, these different ideas, I started to work on them. It took time. It took time because I, come, I came up from poverty. It took time. But one of the biggest, and I'm just going to give you this one. We got other stuff to get to, but I want to give you one of the biggest lessons that I was going to say for later. I started to have more money and more financial capability to like to travel, to go to, to events, like, and we'll talk about why that was important for me. But what really took things over the top was when I connected having money towards doing good. When I connected having money towards my ability to do more good, to be able to produce this show, I needed money to do it. I put my heart and soul into this and nobody is like out there funding it. You know, it's just, it was an idea that was born in my mind that I wanted to do. I didn't know that that would be the medium for which I impact the world and to really give my gift and to grow myself was through this. 
And so to have money to do that and to reach a broader audience of people who might never get the opportunity to meet me, right? And all these other countries, shout out to everybody listening in all the different countries around the world, uh, China, uh, Portugal, um, shout out to everybody listening in Canada and Alaska and Nigeria, Kenya, everybody, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys so much. But that's one thing. Also for me to help to impact and serve the people that in my opinion needed the most were the, the, the kids that I was. Because those organizations that are in the low income neighborhoods where I grew up, they don't have, they don't have the money to bring me in you know, to fly me into their school and to, to put together a, you know, a program for the kids. I can pay for it. That's why I'm working so that I can pay for it. I can buy the books for them, right? But if I've got my story about money is bad or like, you know, my, my limits with money, I'm not gonna be able to do the things and reach because they just need exposure. I had exposure when I was a little kid. That, that little imprint was there Thanks to my grandmother, I saw that life could be pretty sweet. It could be comfortable. It could be safe. And, and, and people can do each, and, and do each other really well and serve each other and be kind to each other. It's difficult to be kind when you're trying to survive. It's, it's not impossible. There are plenty of people who, who, who do that, who are kind. But it's difficult. When you got to feed your family. So that's what really drives me. Is like, so what I want you to do is attach it to something bigger than yourself. You need to be wealthy, financially successful, so that you can do something bigger than just get a nice car, okay? And you can have the car. That's the, that's the dream here in America. You know, get the house, the cars, 2.2Ks. You can have the dream. But it's going to be harder if you're not cultivating a bigger vision. So I hope that makes sense. All right, so let's jump into some uh, other specific insights here. Now, one of the first things that you'll hear from successful people and people who are um, talking about and promoting how to make more income, how to become more financially successful, is to pay yourself first. Pay yourself first. I heard that, but I thought that meant when I get my check, I go to the mall. I'm paying myself first. I'm getting something that I want, whatever. That's not what it meant. That's not what it meant. Pay yourself first means really just investing in yourself. That's really what it means. So paying yourself first means, and I'll give you some specific examples. And this is the first thing that you have to do. And it's very simple. You can set this up automatically. Like I literally started to where I had, uh, if there was a check coming in, a portion of it goes into the savings automatically. I, it's just automatically done. And then I was shocked at how much money was in there when I actually needed to take that money and to invest in something, whether it was a house or a car or you know a bigger investment, whatever it is, I had all this money accumulated because I had it automatically set up to pay yourself first. So that could be savings, that could be an investment of some sort, it could be an investment into a company, into a person, into, you know obviously stocks are a big thing here um, in the US and also worldwide really, but stocks and real estate, you can pay yourself first by investing in something, in assets, that are going to then pay you. The majority of wealthy people are not wealthy because of the work they're doing. They're wealthy because of investing in other things. Their money is working for them. And it's just fact, all right? Not saying that you cannot become wealthy by the work that you're doing, but if you're investing in yourself and paying yourself first, you're gonna invest in different assets. But also, and this is what's important for me, this is the thing that I really wanna steer you towards because this is what I really know about, is investing in education. When you pay yourself first, you're investing in making yourself better. And so you're making yourself more valuable the more educated you're becoming. This could be when you get your check, you put aside money to buy a course, to buy books that you can read. And within a, the pages of a book, in many instances, you can get the expertise of somebody who's been working in that field for 10, 20, 30 years all of that knowledge in these pages and all you got to do is buy it, read it, execute, right? And so investing in yourself, that means investing in your education, investing in going to events. I'm a huge proponent of this because for me personally, that's the thing that changed me the most because of the exposure. 
the physical exposure of seeing these different environments and different people and associating myself with people who are thinking differently, right? And so that's what it really means. So pay yourself first. When you get your source of income, whatever percentage it is, I recommend at least 10% of that immediately goes into paying yourself first, whether it's into education, whether it's into uh, um, accumulating some kind of assets. And a car is not an asset. Car's not a, when, you, when you drive away, it's less valuable. It's, it's crazy how quickly cars depreciate, but that's the thing that I wanted because I never had it, right? But if you can just, one of the things I've seen with successful people as well is they do have a big vision, but they also have exercise that muscle of delayed gratification, all right? Man, I did it. I wasn't good at it. I wasn't good at it. And what's so crazy, and I'm just being real with you, once you can't afford the thing, you don't really even want it anymore. It's the craziest thing. It's the craziest thing. And something that I kind of live by mentally is like, if you can't buy it twice, you shouldn't really buy it. If you're putting yourself into debt, trying to procure this dream, instead of putting yourself in a financially strong position where then you can get this thing without it, like really stressing you out more. And you need to try to make more money in order to pay for the debt you put yourself in. Because this study that I shared at the beginning of this episode, it wasn't on money itself, it's the debt that people find themselves in. They gotta try to get money to pay for the problems, right? All right, so pay yourself first, pay yourself first. But now I hope that that has a tangible, actionable uh, insight and understanding to it. All right, now let's talk about the accumulation of money itself. After we've created our written goals, after we've addressed our faulty beliefs about money, after we understand we're gonna pay ourselves first, now we look at, okay, I've got this financial goal to make $100,000 next year, or you know whatever it is for you, and right now I'm making $45,000. My job is paying me this. How can I get from here to there? I can only get paid so much in my job. I got some solution. Okay, so let's go through some of these. All right, so number one, if that job that you have is not meeting your financial goals alone, then I need you to investigate and what it takes to raise it up. Most of the time when people are saying, I only get so much money from my job, they're not actually trying to find out how can I make more at my job, right? It's just like, this is it, end of story. And we live by our beliefs, all right? So number one, it could be a simple matter of like getting a raise at your job. And the first step in doing that is simply asking for a raise. If you put in some time, if you've made the place better, Maybe it's been, I don't know, six months, whatever it's been. My son, Jordan, worked at his first job, which is a great job compared. I worked at McDonald's, okay? I came home smelling like burger juice, right? And he, he, he worked at the gym, you know, at, at uh, the cafe at, at our gym, at our local gym. And in two years, he never asked for a raise. I found out he's making the same amount. But also he, his paradigm was like, the money, it just wasn't that important. He was able to do the things that he wanted in his life, you know, his conditions. But he also has a different entrepreneurial mindset about things, which we'll get to in a minute. So if he needed to get money for something, he knew what it took to do it and he would do it. You know, he could switch it on, switch it off because of the environment and exposure he's been around. But he never asked. And I was like, what? what he's like, I just never, you know, it wasn't important, right? Ask. Okay, ask. Number two, maybe you need to hit certain numbers in order for you to accumulate more money in your job. Maybe it's a sales number, right? Maybe, and then maybe there's incentives involved in that. Maybe there's a commission involved in that. Or maybe there's just more significance attached to that when you are making more sales or providing more services to more people or better services, right? Companies want good people who are making them look good. Right. And so if you're finding ways to do that, they're going to be more inspired to investing in you. All right. Also, maybe even within the job, you need to further your education. So for a lot of people, this is the big thing. It's like I get the job, then I go back to school. I get the degree so I can get a, a pay increase. But you don't necessarily need to do that or go back to school. That is one way. Maybe it's taking a certain course. Maybe it's, you know, investing again in certain books and finding out how to be better at your job. Right. Um, also. Really here 
is simply finding a way to be of more value in the workplace, right? Again, companies love people that make them look good and that support their business. Uh, if you're helping to make them money, that, that is a, they have a vested interest in keeping you happy as well. So finding a way to add more value and become a linchpin in the organization, okay? And so a good book for that would be a book by the same name, Lynchpin, uh, from Seth Godin, right? So check out that book. If you are in a job right now and maybe you enjoy your job and you just want to make more income, find out how to become a linchpin when things are so fluid and changeable and chaotic in some senses in the job market today, you can find out how to be a linchpin in that organization. Uh, some great information there. Also, if you're in a job and that ceiling is holding you back from reaching your financial goals, there is another option. You can get a new job. I know this sounds crazy. I know this sounds crazy because this was the biggest thing for me. When I was working at the casino, I was just like, I didn't want to be there. I, I wanted a different job, but I just didn't do it. I didn't do it because I told myself this story. It's like, uh, this is the best job I can get. I don't have the time. All I literally had to do was just get on the computer and apply for other jobs. I just didn't do it because I had told myself these stories, right? And I was lucky to have this job. Yeah, well, that's what you get, right? Life kicked me out of that job, thankfully. And not, no disrespect to the casino and all whatever stuff they're doing. But that was not my, that was not my dharma. It's not my path, right? And so if you feel right now, number one, if you're unhappy where you're at, because we've talked about this on the show as well, it's not just the fact of like our financial well-being is stressing us, but there is uh, job-related stress was high up there on the list. But personal relationships and jobs almost combined equal the amount of people who are under stress financially, right? But it still is a big one just being stressed about work because, you know, just not wanting to be there, having so much of a workload and not enough payoff from it. Because a lot of times if you're working really hard, but you also seeing the fruits of it, it's, it, it doesn't bother us, right? But if we're really doing something that we don't enjoy, it takes a lot of our spiritual um, energy to try to do that job. And then plus we're gonna be showing up a lot of times for many of us, and I gotta, I gotta talk about this, showing up in a way that's not conducive to you getting to the place you want to be because you're not showing up as your best self in this job because you don't want to be there. I promise if you're not going to be excellent with what you're doing right now, when you get to the thing you do want to do, you're not going to be excellent. You got to start being excellent now. And then you can transition that, parlay that into something else. I've come across absolutely incredible people at, in their service job, right? Maybe it's at the mall, maybe it's at Foot Locker, right? And they're just like, you know, Hey, welcome to the store, sir. You know, how can I, you know, and just like, oh, you should try this. And it's just like very engaging. Maybe they're making jokes, hanging out, whatever. Just being friendly and being supportive, right? Versus the person like, hey, can I, I know you're on your phone. I don't mean to bother you, but can I get 11? Yeah, you know, it's a whole different vibe. It's a whole different vibe. So being excellent at, at your job, right? And so many people want to get paid and they want to get acknowledgement for doing a job that they're supposed to do anyways. You're supposed to do these basic things of being kind, of being a problem solver, right? The customer's always right, trying to find a way. Even, I know obviously there are situations where the customer's uh, crazy pants, all right, I get that. But in many instances, people are just trying to be happy and they're trying to solve their problems. They're not coming to you to have more problems added to their plate, right? So finding ways to be of service and to be excellent where you're at is gonna transition over into other things, right? So if people would be great, I mean, I can see the talent, I can see success, and I can see when people are not gonna be successful, right? They're showing up at their job, they clearly don't, like they're waiting for the clock. Like I, I can tell you how many times people have said, while I'm there, like checking out or something, like, you know, five o'clock's coming, you know, like just, okay, I didn't come here for that. I don't, I didn't need to know that you can't wait to leave this place, you know, I'm here, to, you know, invest, spend money at your place. You know what I'm saying? And so just keep that in mind. You know, you can get another job and there are other strategies within the job context that you have to make more income. All right, so I hope, I really hope that that starts to spark some thoughts because what it really is, is just to get, start thinking differently about our relationship to money, about our relationship to our jobs and understanding too, like I, I worked in a job, I needed that job. I did need it. I had kids 
that I needed to provide for. I understand that. But I also had so many other possibilities, but I was being blind to them because the story I was telling myself. Like, this is what I have to do. This is what I'm qualified for, whatever. Nah, you, if you're listening to this, you are qualified for so much more than you realize. So much more. But you have to stop telling yourself the story that this is all that you're going to get. All right. Now, speaking of jobs and working in a place that's really cool that you enjoy, shout out to everybody at Organifi. I went to their office, their headquarters recently in San Diego. There were six employees there, six employees who found out about Organifi from the Model Health Show. <gasps> what? I could not believe it. I could not believe it. And they were so pumped to be there because the culture is a place of like support and fun and everybody's working together for a common goal and everybody's wanting to be of service and to uh, you know come to a place where Positive affirmation and support is just kind of the culture, right? There are places like that. There are places like that. There are more and more businesses that are being birthed that have those principles, you know? So just please know that there's a possibility that, you know, there are beautiful work environments. If you do want to have a job and that job security, you just got to change your thinking. Reach out, experiment, get online, like find out. Take advantage when the opportunity presents itself. And so obviously I'm a big fan of Organifi. I travel with my Organifi Go Packs whenever I'm on the road. Um, listen, I just came across another study and this really, really tripped me out about some of the ingredients that are in the Organifi green juice formula, uh, specifically spirulina. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but the United Nations has been working to utilize spirulina to help to stamp out our global malnutrition problem, all right? Our malnutrition crisis. We see on the commercials, you know, the people trying to give them rice, right? Some, some little white rice. That's not, how much nutrition is actually there? They're actually cultivating, utilizing spirulina to actually help to stamp out global malnutrition. That is remarkable. What's so special about this food? It's so dense in micronutrients. And it's also one of the most powerful sources of a macronutrient, uh, protein, which spirulina is 71% protein by weight. It's the most protein-dense substance that we've ever discovered, right? But just to keep this in context, all right, it's about four grams of uh, protein that you're going to get from about a tablespoon. In order to equal the amount of grams of protein in a chicken breast from spirulina, you're going to have to have a buttload of spirulina, all right? That's a lot of spirulina. Clinically speaking, buttload. That's a clinical term. But this Protein is potentially more bioavailable, all right, than the chicken breast. And also it's much more micronutrient dense. And so that's what I want you to understand. So I want you to listen to this. In a recent double-blind placebo-controlled study, participants who received spirulina lost significantly more weight and had a greater reduction in body mass index than those taking a placebo. Another study, and this was in the Journal of Medicinal Foods, uncovered that having just two grams of spirulina a day had outstanding effects on reducing blood glucose levels over the course of a two-month study period. All right, so this food is supportive for your metabolism. It's supportive for your insulin sensitivity. It's something really special about it. And it's just one of the ingredients in the Organifi green juice formula, all right? Also in there is chlorella. And I've got some remarkable research I'll be sharing about chlorella coming up here soon as well. But here's the thing, it tastes good, all right? Spirulina by itself, no, no, no. Call it an acquired taste, you know. It tastes good. It tastes good in guacamole. Just a little, a uh, little tip. But the green juice formula tastes incredible. To be a green juice, and it's a low temperature process to actually retain the nutrients so that you can travel with it. Because that's one of the problems with this these perishable, uh, perishable juices is that like, what about when we travel? Like, can I get this through the airport? That kind of thing, right? A few years back, I used to always try to find when I get off a flight, like where can I get myself a green juice, this kind of thing. Got my green juice, go packs. I literally open up on a plane and just like pour it in the bottle, shake it up, and I get that infusion. And you feel it, like you feel it, you know? And so, tastes great. My kids have it just about every day as well. Huge fan of Organifi, the company, the culture, and what they're doing as far as the nutrition as well. So, you get 20% off their green juice formula, their delicious red juice formula as well. 
and their gold and all their other products when you go to Organifi.com forward slash model. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model. You get 20% off everything they carry. All right. And uh, again, just a big shout out to everybody who's uh, taking advantage of the green juice and also just a big shout out to the folks over at Organifi. All right. Organifi.com forward slash model. All right, so let's shift gears a little bit here. Since we talked about having the, the, the job, right? Having the job, let's talk about something a little bit different. If right now you have a job that's created a ceiling uh, that's not enabling you to reach your financial goals, then you can also consider starting your own business. And this could be being a sidepreneur, right? This could be having a, a side addition, additional income, or this could be your full-time thing where you are an entrepreneur and running your own uh, your own business and your own business structure. And so here's a couple of, of insights about that. If you've ever thought like that's something that I want to do, or maybe you are an entrepreneur and you're just like, what are some of the things, what, what, why am I not getting this? Well, the number one thing here is, and me being from both areas, when you go from being somebody who works at a job to being an entrepreneur, there's a huge shift in your mindset. You're going from being in a value extraction paradigm where you're going to a job in order to extract income from them and give them your time, it's a value extraction paradigm, to being an entrepreneur where you're in a value creation paradigm. You're there to create value in order to receive back compensation for that value. All right, it's a big change in your mindset. Because if you're used to just showing up and getting paid, you're not gonna make it as an entrepreneur. Nobody cares about that. Nobody cares how much time you put into something. They just care about the result. They just care about the end product. It doesn't matter how much time you put into it, all right? So I hope that makes sense. Uh, value extraction paradigm to a value creation paradigm. And also, people sometimes do have the tendency to, as I mentioned, to feel entitled and to feel like just because I'm showing up and I'm doing a certain job or a service that I'm supposed to get paid uh, accordingly or, you know, like you should be... Um, appraised for that. You, you, you're just doing your job. You're doing the thing that somebody signed up for, that somebody's paying you for. To be great as being an entrepreneur and making a, a substantial income, you want to be great at providing a service and going above and beyond. You're giving people so much more value than they could ever give you back. That's the goal. And that's what people don't understand. And sometimes we're not willing to do that because we think it's so hard. And that tells me you're not in the right business if you think it's hard, because I want to do it. I want to, I want to go above and beyond. I want to give every single ounce that I have. And I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything because I'm giving and also I'm, I'm getting in return, but I feel so fulfilled because of all the value and the happiness that I'm creating as well. So I hope that makes sense. So going above and beyond is how you go from getting by as an entrepreneur to becoming exceptional. And there was a long phase where I was not making that income back when I was giving a lot. And that part of that too, I got to get to that place of what are my financial goals? I didn't have any then. I was just like flying by the seat of my pants. And first of all, what does that even mean? Flying by the seat of my pants. One day somebody's going to deconstruct that, break it down. What does it mean? I have no idea. Whenever I think about it, I think about zip lining, maybe. I don't know. Anyways. Uh, so... With the shift in mindset, also, you get paid as an entrepreneur in direct proportion to the value that you deliver. You get paid in direct proportion to the value that you bring. So in order to be a more successful entrepreneur, you've got to find a way to give more value, right? My goal is to give more value than anybody else could ever imagine. If, what if you start to live from that perspective? Wouldn't you make a lot more people happy? And wouldn't you probably be financially compensated because you're giving so much value, right? It doesn't even have to be a lot of people. Just the people that you are engaged in business with, really taking care of them. That's really a powerful way because a lot of entrepreneurs, try. They, their big thing is like, I got to reach more people. Instead of like going deeper and taking care of the people that are already investing in them and paying attention to them, right? There's a great post out there. It's become like an internet kind of a legend called a thousand true fans. If you're an entrepreneur or interested in being an entrepreneur, go and just Google it, a thousand true fans, and look that up because according to his data, which is the, the case is made very, very convincingly, getting a thousand true fans 
of your business, of your organization can sustain your livelihood and more than you can imagine for many, many years to come, right? The thing about entrepreneurs, we find something that works and then we stop doing it. We don't double down and go deep, right? Because we're always trying to get to the next thing or the next person instead of just take care of the people that you have, if that makes sense, all right? So what I want you to begin to do, whether you're working at a job or as an entrepreneur, is begin to ask, how can I add more value? Every day, like start to make that a mantra in your mind. How can I add more value? How can I add more value? Your brain is wired on questions. It will find answers to that question. If you start to make it a mantra and look for ways that you can do it, okay? How can I add more value? Now, in closing for this, these two different domains, right? We've got uh, you know, our job paradigm, we've got the entrepreneur paradigm, and then we've got the in-between space where maybe you're doing a sidepreneur thing. Overall, for all of this and taking our financial well-being to another level, this is really like anything else in life and the things that we've talked about here on the Modern Health Show. We're looking at every single aspect of the things that affect your health. And it's not just the food that you eat. It's not just the exercise that you do. It's not just the sleep. It's the relationships as well. It's the thoughts that you're thinking, right? Your thoughts have correlating chemistry that's released into your body. Whether you like it or not, it happens. That's how powerful we are. This is why money is attached to stress because we think about money in a stressful context. It releases chemistry in our body. So this is not a joke. And this is something that we can change. We can be more proactive about, but like studying all those other things, we have to make money a study. If you wanna become really great at money, like I think that our association and even just a basic level of how we think about money is very weird because it's so, it's money, but it's just like going to the gym, right? You are, you're doing a workout, right? But you have to try to get money. No, you're doing money, right? You're doing money, how, learning how to do money, how to become more financially fit in your, in your form, in your variety of exercises that you're employing, right? Just becoming more skilled in the different uh, modalities and movements with money. But we wanna strive to become better at doing money, right? So that we don't think that it's something we have to try to get, but we just something that we do, we engage in. I hope that makes sense. And so how do we do this? We have to make it a study. We've got to invest in knowing more about it. So if this is an area of your life you wanna improve in, read books about it, about becoming more financially successful. Listen to audiobooks and shows about it. Um, watch videos, right? Find people that resonate with you. The, you know, this is not my specific domain, but for me, it's like something I wanted to talk about because it is a big part of our health. And I wanna be able to bring more people to you and I'm gonna continue to do that. We've got some really, really awesome people coming your way to talk about how to actually become more fi financially fit. But I wanna make sure that we don't miss these basic principles because I don't think a lot of the experts talk enough about them. And I don't think a lot of the experts come from where I come from, where I was sitting in the position of many of you and really looking at like, it's so far from me and external, I don't think it's even possible in my reality. Well, it is, and you deserve it, but you have to step up and you have to get clear on these different things that we talked about today. You've got to get clear on what your financial goals are. Be honest, be forthcoming about it, and stop telling yourself the story that you can't have it. You've gotta address your faulty beliefs around money, and you've gotta make some changes in the way that you are operating, whether it's in your job or as an entrepreneur, or both, right? These basic, simple principles, it's just like with championships, right? It's the fundamentals. People aren't doing the fundamentals. They're looking for the flashy stuff, you know, the alley-oop or whatever. Defense wins championships. Doing the fundamentals wins championships, all right? So do the fundamentals. Pay yourself first, but that means to invest in yourself, all right? You are your number one investment, the most important investment in the entire universe. For some people might be, well, no, it's my relationship, it's my kids. You are number one because all those other people need you to be your best, all right? So invest in you, all right? So- I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the show. And uh, you know that for myself, I'm in the health space and more and more people, this is one of the top five growing uh, fields right now uh, in the United States is health and wellness. And we need more good people. And so if this is something that's been calling out to you, if you're in the health space already or you are 
interested and excited about health and it's just something that you really would love to be a part of, you can definitely check out how to become a certified health coach uh, with training from me and my associates, some of the very best people on the planet. Because that's another big thing is you want to learn from the very best. Learn from the people who've already gone before you and who are willing to share because those are the successful people that you really want to learn from, not from the people who are hoarding it from. There are some Scrooge McDuck people out there, all right? But learning from people who are just willing to share and give everything they know, and that's what I want to do for you as well. So if you are interested in becoming a health coach and working in this space alongside myself and my colleagues, then definitely pop over and take, we've got a short quiz for you to see just kind of where you would fall in and qualify And we also have right now $2,000 scholarships for our certification program. And we have literally, it's like the Ivy League of this industry of health coaching, but you don't need to be like uh, Einstein level IQ. It's not that. We will walk you through every single portion because you are intelligent enough and capable enough to absolutely crush it. You don't have to know everything in order to help people. No one knows everything, but you just need to know the, the, the foundational principles. Again, the fundamentals that win championships so that you can start helping people, sharing your passion and making a difference on this planet all right, in a way that feels good. So you can pop over and check out the quiz. It's at transformationalnutrition.com forward slash model. All right, so that's transformationalnutrition.com forward slash model and uh, take the short quiz. And uh, again, you get a access and opportunity right now. We've just replenished the funds, $2,000 scholarships via the Model Health Show. Again, just ways that we're reinvesting back into things that are gonna help change the world. All right, so I hope you got a lot of value out of this episode and none of this really works until you work it. So put these simple principles into play for yourself and I guarantee you're gonna start to see some changes, all right? And uh, if you got a lot of value out of this, please make sure to share this out with the people you care about on social media. You could tag me, I'm at Sean Model on Instagram. And on Twitter as well, I jump in there every now and then and share some random stuff. And on Facebook, I'm at The Model Health Show. All right, so share this out with the people you care about. And we've got some powerhouse episodes coming your way very, very soon. So make sure to stay tuned. I appreciate you immensely. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.